Hello, you're listening to Sunday Starter. I'm Andy Mangum. My goal in these podcasts is to provide a non-chatty overview of a biblical text for an upcoming lectionary Sunday. And uh, today we're looking at year C, Eastertide, uh, uh, Sunday four, the fourth Sunday of Eastertide in year C. And we're looking at the uh, scripture reading, uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. Just a word about lectionaries. Uh, the Christian community has used lectionary for centuries as a way of creating patterns of readings, either for the days of the week or for the Sundays or both. And when we refer to the lectionary today, we're normally talking about the revised common lectionary. That was a development that occurred in the 20th century. And maybe on a subsequent episode, I'll do some research and talk more definitively about the formation of uh, lectionaries over the history of Christianity. Uh, today, I will not pretend like I know that much about them, but that's what we're looking at. Uh, again, we're looking at uh, Eastertide, Year C, uh, Sunday 4, and Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. Uh, lectionary readings, all the way, by the way, usually have four readings, uh, Hebrew Bible reading, a psalm reading, uh, uh, an epistle reading uh, or revelatory reading in the book of in the New Testament and a gospel reading. The Acts readings are an alternative, I believe, to the Hebrew Bible reading in the lectionary for year C. So next, Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43, uh, contain uh, the story of the resuscitation of Tabitha, who's also called Dorcas. It occurs in Joppa. That's how verse 36 begins, now in Joppa. Uh, Joppa is uh, also known as Jaffa in uh, other texts. Um, it is significant as we think about the theme that we're using, expanding the circle. Uh, I believe God's love has always been there for all of humanity. But what we see in the book of Acts is an expansion of the circles of knowledge of people who understand that good news. And you know, what we have seen in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says that uh, Jesus told his disciples, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, chapter 10 is a threshold moment where Peter goes and proclaims the good news to the first uh, fully understood Gentile convert, Cornelius. And so, so much of what we're dealing with in chapters 8 and 9 is the movement toward that moment. And I believe Joppa, as the context for this story, is significant because of its history. It starts out as an Egyptian city, as best I understand. Uh, it's an Egyptian city first, um, and then comes under the control of the Greeks and Seleucids. Um, it is uh, in, in the in um, uh, it, before it becomes that. It, it is assigned to the tribe of Dan when uh, the Israelites make their way out of Egypt, and Joshua leads them into what we often call the Promised Land. Joppa belongs to the tribe of Dan. It's one of the, the that's one of the ten tribes of the northern tribes of Israel. Uh, sometime after Solomon's uh, death, the, the, the one nation of Israel divided into two, Judea uh, or Judah in the south and Israel in the north, the 10 northern tribes uh, then really have their identity skewed by successive invasions and occupations. So uh, like I said earlier, um, uh, this will become under the control of the Greeks and Seleucids, uh, in the Maccabean Revolt, it will come back under Jewish control, where it will remain until the Romans destroy it in 66 AD as a response to a Jewish revolt in 66 AD. But uh, again, just to emphasize this point, Joppa is this uh, threshold city, kind of on the margins between the Hellenistic world and the Jewish world. 
and and preparatory toward this movement of the good news from Judea, Samaria into the uttermost parts of the world. Uh, there is a disciple there named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She is devoted to good works and charity. Uh, the, the translation of her name, Dorcas uh, and Tabitha, Greek and Aramaic, again, emphasizes this transitional, liminal, expanding circle uh, theme that we have going through uh, the book of Acts. At that time, she became ill and died. And when they'd washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Uh, so Luke chapter 8 uh, describes a community of women, including Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Chusa, Susanna, and others who provided help for them, the disciples and Jesus, when Jesus was alive, out of their resources. So this story of the widows and of uh, Tabitha, reminiscent of the women that support Jesus during his ministry, uh, she is described as a disciple, and that's important. There's a helpful resource entitled Women in Scripture. It's edited by Carol Myers and Tony Craven and Ross Kramer. I should point out that Tony uh, Craven, Dr. Craven, was my professor of uh, Hebrew Bible at Bright Divinity School, where I went. Uh, she's excellent, a brilliant scholar and, and a wonderful, um, encouraging and prophetic voice in my world. The Tabitha entry in Women in Scripture, which talks about all the named and unnamed women of the Bible, uh, the Tabitha entry is written by Lucinda Brown. And Lucinda Brown writes this, Tabitha is introduced into the narrative as a disciple, this being the only New Testament occurrence of the feminine form of the Greek word for disciple. And I may butcher the Greek, but it's uh, Mathetria, uh, that is M-A-T-H-E with a long E, T-R-I-A. Uh, she is, uh, however, introduced by means of an indefinite article, which means that she is a disciple, not the disciple, suggesting the possibility that there may have been other female disciples in Joppa. Indeed, uh, the idea that's, that's possible is that, uh, that the term disciples did not simply refer to the twelve, uh, but included a larger community of both men and women. Brown continues to explain the Aramaic Tabitha and the Greek Dorcas may be uh, told to us because her story was told among both Aramaic and Greek-speaking followers. Uh, I suspect that's historically accurate, though I do think from a literary and theological perspective, the two names being given is uh, indicative of this theme that we've been working at. Finally, Brown ponders the possible possibilities concerning Tabitha's economic status, uh, the nature of the group of widows and the relationship between those widows and Tabitha. Uh, there's, there's questions that abound about this. Tabitha Dorcas means gazelle. It's uh, likely a nickname and rather, rather than a proper name. It was prior to the first century a nickname often given to slaves, uh, though it's not certain that that was the case in the first century. And so it's possible that, that it had evolved into a proper name uh, or just a more common nickname, uh, but certainly raises the question, was Tabitha formerly a, an enslaved person? It does appear that she supported herself and, and supported herself through textile work. Um, that may or may not have meant that she had wealth. Plenty of people support themselves, but don't accrue wealth. And plenty of people are very generous 
who support themselves but do not accrue a great deal of wealth. Um, she is similar, I think, be, to uh, Lydia, who we'll encounter in Acts chapter 16. She works in the textile industry. Lydia also has a community of people that gather around her uh, for whom she has some responsibility for their economic uh, livelihood. Uh, but again, I think that doesn't settle any questions about to what extent she has accrued wealth, but that she has organized a community it seems to be uh, fairly certain, both for uh, Tabitha and for Lydia later on. Brown concludes Luke's focus on Peter as the key player in the story, as well as his characterization of Tabitha in terms of traditional virtue of charity, diverts attention away from the possibility that Tabitha may have been economically self-sufficient leader in the Joppa community. Indeed, a close reading of the story supports the idea that women took an active role of leadership within the early church. She, of course, is known, Tabitha is known as a person of good works. And I would think, as I would be working on this text, uh, to be careful of that. It certainly speaks to what God is doing in and through her. Uh, but we would not want to suggest that new life, uh, redemption, uh, salvation, the gifts of God are deserved, reserved only for those people who are good. Uh, but her good works certainly are a testimony to her and to what God is doing. Uh, when he arrived, they took him uh, to the upstairs room, and, uh, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping, showing the tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made for them while she was with them. Uh, Peter put them all outside. And so when Peter puts them all outside, I, I wonder uh, if, um, if there is some reminiscence of uh, an earlier story. Uh, the narration seems to be intentionally uh, to, to intentionally evoke the same movements of Jesus when he raised Jairus's daughter from the dead. Peter uh, was there when that happened. The crowds were there lamenting, and Jesus put them all outside. Uh, and then he went into where the girl was and said, Talitha kum, uh, when Peter will go into this room, he'll say, Tabitha, get up. Um, and that might preach well. Uh, I would point out that the way Luke tells the story, the Aramaic in the, <coughs> excuse me, in the Lucan story is, is not included uh, in the Lucan story. He simply says, little girl, get up. Um, but, but listen to how this, these stories pale there. He then knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. And then she opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. And then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa and many believed in the Lord. So there is a charismatic moment in the way in which her story is told beyond that. But this is not a moment for Peter himself to preach a sermon, which is what he's done in some other stories that we've looked at earlier in the gospel of the book of Acts. Um, this is simply a moment of church where the holy ones of God and, and those who are surrounding Tabitha as a community of faith gather with her. But listen to how Luke tells the story of the raising of Jairus's daughter in Luke chapter 8, verses 49 through 56. Remember that there is the story in, in Luke, as, as well as in Mark, where Jesus is called to Jairus' house. He is going with them, much like he, Peter went to Joppa. And while he is on his way there, uh, his, the tim of his robe is touched. A woman who has been hemorrhaging for 12 years, and Tab, uh, Talitha, uh, the little girl, is also 12 years old. Um, uh, this woman he experiences healing, and there's conversation there. So that's where we're at in Luke when the story picks up. 
Uh, it says, while he was still speaking, someone came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher any longer. Uh, I think that's a very cruel way to say that, by the way. When Jesus heard this, he replied, do not fear, only believe, and she will be saved. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. They were all weeping and wailing for her, but he said to them, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead, but he took her by the hand and called out, Child, get up. Her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and then he directed her to give them give her them some get he directed them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he ordered them to tell no one what had happened. So again, a little bit of contrast there. There's a messianic secret working its way through Mark, which is a source for, I believe, uh, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, so at this point in the storyline, uh, Jesus is still instructing people not to tell the stories. And in the case of Acts, the story does go out to, to the community uh, of Joppa. But uh, uh, so to conclude the, the reading of the story, meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon the Tanner. A tanner would have been somebody whose career made him a little suspect within a Jewish community, and yet um, uh, he is the, 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 the source of hospitality for Peter uh, as Peter is staying there in Joppa. So again, this sort of emphasis on the expanding circles. So we see several ways in which the expanding circle theme is emphasized here in this text. Uh, the story of uh, the city of Joppa as our setting uh, not uh, originally, um, um, well, well, always a, a fairly diverse city, uh, a liminal city, a border town that has experienced occupations and uh, in, incursions in different times. So it's an important stop as uh, Peter is making his way to that important uh, moment where the gospel is preached in Cornelius's house. I think also Tabitha Dorcas, uh, her name being given both in Aramaic and Greek uh, is an important uh, emphasis on the uh, transition that is about to occur in the church and, and Luke preparing us for uh, this transition that and foreshadowing this transition that's about to occur. I, I will say this, I think it's important as we, as we work with this text in maybe Sunday school or Bible study in preaching uh, that we not turn it into a damsel in distress story. It, it, it is significant that uh, we make note of uh, both Tabitha's gender and also the community that surrounds her, uh, but not in a way that disempowers them. They are an important community of faith. They are already believers. Uh, they have heard the good news. They have uh, committed themselves to it and lived it out and embodied it in significant ways. And so I would wonder if, in rather than thinking about Peter as the hero and Tabitha as the the damsel who is saved from death by Peter's actions. I wonder to what extent we might consider Peter uh, in a vulnerable position here. Uh, he doesn't know what he's getting into. He's going, uh, he thinks, to, to do good things, which he does. But, um, but he also encounters a testimony. Perhaps Peter himself is being strengthened and being prepared for the transition that he will go through. And by extension, the whole church will go through. Uh, this is a space in which people proclaim good news through their actions, through their testimony, through showing him the tunics, which I can't read without getting a little choked up, uh, by showing him the work of her hands and the work of God through her, 
then Peter himself is receiving ministry, I believe, from this community. And I think uh, perhaps that's a way to view the circle. It doesn't only expand, but it, it strengthens within. Uh, this is a space where we see the church on full display. If we believe that Peter is a representative of the whole church, what, they, what he experiences here in Joppa is an expression of the local church, of a group of believers, holy ones, and Tabitha, the disciple, a disciple, not just the disciple, but a disciple among disciples there in Joppa. This is a space where uh, the church is revealed as indeed a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world, which is an expression that comes out of my faith tradition. So it's worth considering how this story uh, aligns with what we will see in Acts chapter 11, when the church in Jerusalem is uptight about some of these moves that Peter has made, and Peter comes back to give testimony to what he has seen God doing in these spaces and saying, despite all my prejudices, I've come to understand God does not show partiality because of the evidence of God at work in these communities, what I have experienced. I think he's getting prepared for that in Joppa, and, and the testimony of Dorcas is helping to prepare the whole church for the train change that they will undergo. Um, and I, I think that's a, a helpful thing to, to way to end that, right? To say, uh, how are we being changed uh, by what we see, uh, not just in our church and not just uh, with uh, narration of us as the heroes of our story, uh, but where are we seeing God active in the lives of others? How are we experiencing them showing us the tunics that another have made for them and giving thanks to God for what, um, for what God is doing uh, in, in the lives of people? And how are we allowing that testimony to transform us? So that's just a little bit of an overview of Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43. I hope that's helped you get ready for Sunday and uh, to start on your Sunday preparation. Remember uh, to redeem the drives for the commutes are evil.